Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Trustee Table, a new podcast series from NAIS. I'm Amory Balzano, Director of Governance and Leadership, and today I'll be speaking with Barb Roston, a former independent school trustee, board chair, and now a strategic consultant for independent schools and nonprofits. Barb, thank you for taking a seat at the table today. So glad to join you today, Anne-Marie. Thank you. So in terms of your experience, what do you think are some of the major responsibilities of an independent school trustee? That's a great question. When I go and talk to boards, what I tell them is that every board really has four main responsibilities. The first is to determine your school's mission and vision and to periodically revisit that mission to make sure that it reflects what your school is doing today. You're also responsible for hiring and supporting and evaluating the head of school. That's your only employee. You don't employ anybody else, no faculty, nothing, just the head of school. The board also needs to plan strategically for the future of the school and the long-term health of the school. And finally, a board's responsible for making sure that the school has adequate financial resources and that you protect those assets with proper financial oversight. So what's the role more specifically of an individual trustee? How do they do that? Well, the first and most important thing is a trustee has to show up. Mm -hmm. You can't be engaged in the work of the board if you show up every so often periodically and don't take a regular seat at the table, both at meetings of the board and of committee meetings to which you're assigned. You know, I'm so glad that you said that because I can't tell you when I work with different chairs and and different boards, how many times I hear a board being made up of 20, 25 folks, but only 12 show up on a regular basis. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things that's most frustrating for board chairs when they've planned an entire meeting and nobody's there to carry out Mm-hmm. the work of the board, where you can't, sometimes board chairs have told me they can't get quorums in the room, so they really can't have a productive meeting. And that's frustrating. So showing up is, is absolutely important. The other thing is, is to be informed. Don't come to a meeting where reading the board packet as you walk in the door or as you're sitting at the table, but make sure you've read it ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And also know your school community, know what's going on, Um, And know the educational landscape as much as possible. Lots of boards will provide trustees with copies of Independent School Magazine or other education materials that will give you a a greater sense of the independent school world. Some schools even have trustee visiting days where the trustees can spend a day at the school and get a better sense of what's happening Mm -hmm. at the school, which which is a wonderful option. Another responsibility is fiduciary responsibility. And this is where I get a lot of pushback from trustees who say, oh, but I can't do numbers. I don't like budgets. I don't do any of that. It is everybody's responsibility. Yes, there's a finance committee, but every board member needs to be able to at least understand a budget enough to know that your financials are healthy. You can always go to a finance committee to just sit in, even if you're not on it. You can talk to a a CFO of a board, of a school, or you can talk to anybody on the board, I'm sure they would be happy to help understand that fiduciary responsibility. Another thing that, that a uh, board member has to do is, is to support the school financially. They have to contribute by leading the way in any sort of annual fund, capital campaign. Board members have to give first and at a stretch level, whatever that means for that particular trustee. 
Mm -hmm. And I know that in speaking um, with some folks on on both boards and specifically board chairs as well, sometimes people feel a little uncomfortable around that whole idea of giving and asking, but it is such an important piece of, of serving on the board. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. So in your mind, what are some of the differences then between the responsibilities of a trustee versus the board chair? The board chair has to do all the things a trustee does, plus a number of other things. And I would say that the most important thing for a board chair is to forge a good relationship with the head of school. It doesn't mean your head of school has to be your best friend, but Mm -hmm. as a board chair, you've got to be able to work well with the head of school and you've got to trust and respect one another. Being a board chair is oftentimes lonely because you learn things in your conversations with the head of school that you really can't talk to anybody else about. You have to hold that trust and that confidence of the head of school and likewise for the head of the school. They have a lot of issues they're dealing with that they can only talk to their board chair about. And that's why that relationship is so important and needs to be a really strong one communicating and and having good communication between the board chair and the head is is absolutely important. I also think for a board chair, you really need to be able to see the big picture to be able to guide the whole board. It helps to guide the committees, do their work effectively when you have the big picture in mind and can help committees talk to one another because you know what's happening in each one of them. It also helps um, for a board chair to know the big picture so you can staff your committees appropriately so that you have the right board members in the right place and you're using them most effectively. Mm -hmm. And I think a big part of that is also trying to ensure that you are cultivating new new members on a regular basis, um, that you have a deep bench, as I like to call it, to serve on those committees and to serve the board um, both now but also in the future. Always. You've got to have the long-term vision, which means sometimes asking non-board members to serve on committees so you can see whether they would be a good fit on the board or not. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing that for a board chair that's really important is, is communication and transparency with the board itself and with the whole community. And I really can't emphasize that enough. But I also think it's important that the board chair remember there is a community out there with eyes on the board. And so Doing something like a board chair letter at the end of every year, letting the the school community know what the board's been working on for this year, what their goals for the coming year might be, or what some schools do is have a meeting where the board chair and the head of school have a round table and Mm -hmm. they invite members of the community to come and, and to listen to the discussion and ask questions. There's no one right way of doing it, but I think it's really important to not be behind closed doors all the time, but to be as transparent as you can be. Exactly. I couldn't agree with you more. In terms of responsibilities, we've kind of touched on both responsibilities of the actual trustees and the board chair specifically, but in general, what do you think are some of the critical skills and abilities that a trustee would need to have in order to serve effectively? So I think there's several things. The the most important one is the need to be strategic, to think strategically. A board member cannot think short-term or get into the weeds. That's a really important factor. You need to look at the long-term of the school. You also really need to make sure as a board member that you know what your role is so that you're not getting into the day-to-day operations of the school, which is not your responsibility. I think another really critical skill is collaboration. 
being on the board is really a partnership. It's a partnership with other board members. It's a partnership with the head of school. It's a partnership with any administrative members, administration members who may be serving or staffing committees of the board. And if you can't collaborate, it doesn't serve the board well. So it really needs to um, be a collaborative effort. I think another one that board members don't often think about is you need to be able to suspend your personal wants and needs to put the needs of the school first. Mm -hmm. And that comes through. I once um, was working with a board where one of the board members said, well, I can't vote on that issue because it's going to affect my child's senior year. <laughs> and it, that was a real issue because they weren't thinking about what was very best for the school. They were thinking about what was very best for their family. And that's not being a good board member. That's right. It's so hard, I think, sometimes for trustees who are also parents um, to take off that parent hat. Absolutely. And I think that taking off the parent hat is is an important piece of board work and knowing when it's okay to be a parent because you do have a child in the school. And on most boards that are not boarding school boards, a majority of the board members are parents. And so it's just walking that fine line and knowing when to have a parent hat on and when to have that trustee hat on, making that distinction. I think one of the other things that that people often don't think about when they join a board is you should come onto a board thinking at some point you will be asked to lead a committee. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily have to be the board chair, although hopefully there are people joining the board with that thought in mind, but everybody needs to step up and lead a committee at some point in an area that's within their expertise. So not asking people to do things that are outside their comfort zone usually, but, but being helpful and being part of the leadership of the board. Right. Actually, I'm really glad that you brought that up because I know that several times or many times um, trustees can come onto a board having a lot of for-profit experience, maybe in the financial world. Maybe that's why they've been invited onto the independent school board. So can you talk a little bit about the differences between the nonprofit world and the for-profit world that trustees should understand? Absolutely. So a for-profit board is really supposed to increase the value of a company for its shareholders. And a nonprofit board is really perpetuating a mission that has a value for a community, that community being the school and, and really the school, the community in which the school is located. Um, an independent school trustee has to focus on all aspects of the school success, not just the financial success, which is what for-profit board members tend to focus on most. So it's not just about the bottom line. And, and what does that look like? I know a lot of boards struggle with this, um, with, where for-profit board members come on and they want a quick pace of decision-making and things to happen that just don't happen in independent school boards. There's a pace that goes with independent schools. And it's not to say that, that those boards couldn't get faster. I think they could. But I think that there's a pace that goes that's, that's just much more slow in happening than it is on a for-profit board. And so that takes some getting used to. Sometimes it creates some frustration for board members who don't understand that 
something that they've decided or want to work on can't just happen tomorrow. Right. The, the budget cycle is, is over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And so it's a change cycle. I mean, I know that, you know, in, in my past when I was working with, with school heads and also working with, you know, future principals, that this idea of change really does take a lot of time. And it's not even a one or a two year commitment. It's three to five years oftentimes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that for schools that are well endowed, they can often move more quickly Mm -hmm. because they have the financial resources to do that. But that's a very few schools who who have the good fortune to be able to do that. And the change cycle really does take oftentimes two, three, four years to happen. So in your experience, what are some of the typical pitfalls or challenging scenarios for trustees that, that you've seen? So I think some of the the pitfalls are some interesting ones. And one, the first one is when you become a trustee, you're looked at differently by faculty members who might have your child in their class, um, by other parents. So you need to be aware of that. Some parents might try to curry favor. Other parents might want you to tell them more in depth about personnel decisions that were made that you can't speak about. Mm -hmm. Faculty members often don't understand that you're not the person who can, that is responsible for their hiring and firing. And so they're very aware when a trustee has a child in their classroom. I can give an example from a personal experience where I was introduced to a new faculty member at the beginning of a year by another faculty member who said, this is Barb Austin. Her son's going to be in your class and she's on the board. Oh my gosh. It was immediately clear to me that I needed to say to that faculty member when I went to talk about my child, I'm here with my parent hat on, not with my trustee hat on. Mm-hmm. So that's something I think the trustees really need to be aware of. It's not, it's not a downside. It's just something you, you need to go into every situation aware of. I think in a related issue, board members need to understand that as an, an individual, they never speak for the board. The board has one voice. Mm-hmm. Um, So trustees need to remember they lose a little of their ability to speak freely about the school and school matters when they become a trustee. So saying something outside the boardroom that could be negative about the school or contradicts a board decision can be construed as, well, the board said, because one board member said it. That's right. Um, So you need to be aware of who you're talking to and what you're saying and, and the environment in which you're saying it. Yeah, that that's an important piece in your even when you think that you're out and about, maybe, you know, at a restaurant, you're never quite sure who might be listening. Um, even if you think that you're just speaking, you know, confidentially to someone. I've seen that happen before as well. Absolutely. I've seen um situations in which uh children of trustees have come in and reported on what their parents said at home. <laughs> so I think you just need to be a little bit careful about what you're saying and to whom. And and it's not something that board members think about 24-7, but they probably should. (laughs) I couldn't agree more. Um, So as a former trustee, a former board chair, and now a consultant, um, what are the reoccurring issues you have seen boards face that trustees should be aware of? So one of the biggest recurring issues, and it seems quite basic, is boards that don't have effective orientation and board education. Mm. Orientation is the start and the starting point for every new trustee. And if it's not done or not done well, 
trustees start off on a bad foot because they don't know what they're supposed to be doing. And orientation should be quite detailed. It's not just a matter of sending trustees minutes from the last five years and saying, here, read this. It's bringing them into the school, spending whatever it might be, two, three hours with them, having them meet all the major people in the administration, having them have some time to sit down with the head of school and hear what issues are on his or her mind, having some time with the board chair to understand what the major issues of the board have been in the last year or two and what they're going to be in the coming year, and having some time to maybe walk around the school and get yourself oriented. Mm -hmm. It also, some boards I know have mentors or board buddies, which can be quite helpful actually. But that can't just happen the very first time somebody comes on the board. It needs to happen every year and continually throughout the year, there needs to be some board education for the entire board. It's really how boards work most effectively. And I think it also creates a, a positive board culture and, and a set of norms that would allow the board to function more effectively. Absolutely. Absolutely. And board culture, I'm glad you brought that up, Anne-Marie. Board culture is really important. It goes back to that idea of collaboration and spend having some time for board members to get to know one another, to spend some non-board time together so that they build that trust and respect and collaboration that's needed to make really good board decisions. I think another um, area that's often difficult for boards, and I've seen this over and over again, is the lack of evaluation of both the head of school and of the board it's works it, itself. Mm-hmm. I know it's hard to, to evaluate a head of school, and it can be uncomfortable for some people, but it's something that really has to happen, and a good head really welcomes it. I know I worked with a board at one point where they were having trouble with their head of school because the head didn't take criticism well. The board chair went to the head of school and, and elaborated on that and said, in the oral eva- evaluation, you need to learn to take criticism better. And of course, that didn't go well. The, the head of school didn't take the criticism well, but then had the written evaluation. So went back, took some time, read it, came back to the board chair, and they were able to have a very fruitful discussion about how to move forward and how to have the head of school work on that. And so I think things like that are really key. It's also a time to sort of review with the head of school what their goals were, how far along they have come, and what the goals for the coming year might be. Mm -hmm. Same thing goes with boards. You need to look at the work you're doing. You need to look at the work you're doing to make sure that you're on point, that you're focusing on the right issues. Even little things like having a board evaluation sometimes points out that Um, perhaps you're meeting too many times. Some boards meet monthly, some meet quarterly. It depends on what works for the board. I know I worked with one board that did a board self-evaluation, discovered that everybody on the board thought that they were meeting monthly and that they were making work just to meet monthly rather than being productive. And so I think a lot can come from those self-evaluations. I agree. It's, you know, some people worry. I mean, the word evaluation can sometimes have a very negative connotation when in reality, it's just an opportunity to look for areas of growth and development that are just going to better the school and better the board. Absolutely. And it often makes for a much better experience as a board member when there's been a self-evaluation and they can give their input. So I think it's, it's really a good thing. The final area that I think is often difficult 
from boards, and, and you alluded to this earlier, Anne Marie, is fundraising. When schools don't have a culture of philanthropy or boards don't want to lead the fundraising effort, that's an area that creates issues for the school because the school can't do it alone and the board can't do it alone. And so there needs to be a culture of philanthropy in the school and that needs to come from the board. And yes, there are always the people say, oh, I don't like fundraising. I don't want to do that. You don't necessarily have to be the person who makes the ask. There are people who love to do that and there are people who have great skills around that. But you do need to be able to to participate in the giving and you need to participate in making those connections that are going to help others make the ask. And so really important thing that a board needs to learn. I couldn't agree with you more. I really appreciate your insights and your time today. And I really can't thank you enough for, for joining us. So glad to be here today. This was great fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Trustee Table. We've included some great resources on some of the areas we discussed on the NAIS website, and you can also keep an eye on that page for new podcast episodes. Please be sure to listen, rate, review, and subscribe to a new episode each month. Thanks again for listening.